Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. Thank you for that. Amen. Hallelujah. He's Lord indeed. He's not just my Lord. He's my Lord, my Savior. He's my King and my husband. Hallelujah. So is he to you. Thank you, Jesus. I'm Patience Hagen, and today we're going to do Psalm 23. I know it's our favorite psalm, but my prayer is that it's not just our favorite, but it becomes our real reality. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want safety. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want provision. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want healing. What do you want? The Lord is your shepherd. Hallelujah. Let's just step into it. We are not saying that Donald Trump is your shepherd. No, Obama, your shepherd. No, the Queen of England, your shepherd. The Lord, the maker, the possessor, the originator. And the word the Lord means the possessor of all things. And he calls himself Lord of Lords. Who are the Lords? We are the Lords. And he is our Lord of Lords. So let's honor the Lord of Lords. And acknowledge that because he is our shepherd, our keeper, our protector, our husband, our beloved. Name it. Whatever you need, he is that and more. When we can step into that, he will make us lie down in green pastures. He will let you tell you to lie down. He will make you lie down. At times we want to be all over the place stressing and straining 
trying to figure it out, you know. But he says, I will make you lie down. Just let me do it. And I will lead you beside the still waters. The water that is stable, situated. You don't have to go run after the water that is running. No, this is situated for you to step into it and walk into your fullness. So his destiny prepared for you before you were born shall unfold. Father, we thank you. We have a shepherd like you. Help us to see the reality of this. Not just know it by heart, but know it as a reality, as a truth and walk in it. May your kingdom come in our lives. May we lie down in green, in green pastures. May we be still and know you are God. And Lord, that which you called us to be and to do, help us. And today, honor, today we honor you immensely as you come and Worship with us and we worship you. As we worship, build your throne. Thank you for everybody here, everybody who is to come. May we see you in a way we haven't seen you before. And may your resurrection power quicken us from every deadness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for what you've done in us. Thank you, God, for the journey, for the growth, for the renewal, for the healing and the restoration that you're doing of our identities, you're bringing them back together. You're teaching us how to live like Jesus. So we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, for the opportunities that we get as a body to just worship you, to share communion together, to just bless your name through any way that we can, just to show you that we love you, to give you the glory, God. And I thank you for this time of worship and communion, and I thank you, God, for what you're gonna do through Josh, I thank you, Lord, for every piece of the puzzle to complete this morning, God. And we just pray that you would bless it, Lord, that you would be with it, God, and that you would not leave it, that your spirit would be in and all around it, Lord God. We trust you fully. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we're in chapter 16. Last week, Bill gave a, a talk on, I thought it was beautiful, about taking care of the things that need to be buried. And he used the ideas of the person who stepped up, sacrificed something to say, I want to bury Jesus. I want to I handle that appropriately. And he, taught, he, he related that to the things in our life that have to be buried. We have to walk through the processes of burying the things that need to be buried so that they can be raised again. You can't just skip through. You cannot just go from the Jesus of Mark 12 or 13 to resurrection celebration. There is a death that has, there's a death, a murder, there's a fleeing of everyone close to him, there is accusation, stones, there's Jesus even hiding in, in times. All of these things have to happen before resurrections happen, and that's the same for us. We don't just get to show up on Easter Sunday and wear our purple shirts and just celebrate. Like, we have to walk through personally, what does it look like to put on Christ and I love that we're doing this not on Easter because it wasn't Easter for the disciples. They weren't like, it's Easter, guys. Let's do this. So we got an Easter egg hunt this morning, but then Jesus is going to die and be raised. It, wasn't. it was just the right spot when that needed to happen in history. And I love that we're doing it on a non-Easter day because it's more real. We're not commercializing it. We're not making it about a promotional event. We're just talking about the resurrection of Jesus in a setting which is actually better for us than doing it on an Easter Sunday because this, this relates to every day of our life. And so 
We're at the climax. As we start, there's two groups of people in this passage who need to be aware of what's happening. There's women who are a key part of this that have loved Jesus and are about to travel to him to anoint him and put spices on him so that he doesn't stink. They're traveling to see Jesus to basically say bye, but also to honor the memory of someone they love. And then there's the group of disciples who feel like tragedy has set in and everything that they had dreamed would happen will not happen now. And they're basically in hiding, in fear. So there's these two groups as you start the story. That's where they're at. And as we read Mark 16, this was baffling to me in seminary when I did this, an inductive Bible study of this book. There's three endings to Mark in different versions of the Bible. Raise your hand if you did not know that. Okay. So the original text has eight verses, which I'm going to read to you. The original text was Mark. And then around 100 years later, people were like, the other Gospels share more stories about what happened after. The reason I think I'm ending in verse 8 is because Mark was the source material for the other Gospels. And it leaves us in a place of not everything's tied up real pretty. It's not like a Kirk Cameron movie. It's not like, it's not like the Something the Giants movie. It's not like every Christian song we've ever heard on 104.7 where everything ends in happiness. Mark leaves us in a spot where you're like, what, what do we do? And the people about 100 years after this basically added some of the stories from the other Gospels, which we're not doing. Even though they're real, I think Mark intentionally does this. He intentionally does not add these parts because it fits well with what I'm about to talk to you about. It fits well if you live the gospel the way that we're supposed to and you don't have all the answers at every moment. There's a part of it that you have to struggle through that's not easy. There's questions that you have to ask. There's faith that you don't have yet. There's what do I do with this information now that I have it that we see play out here. So I'm going to read to you Mark 16 verses 1 through 8. You guys can open up. Man, this is sad. This, we've been in this for over a year. I'm sad to move on. Hmm. We don't have to read it. We can just stare at it forever. Forever. All right. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. That's pretty beneficial for them. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they were said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. So close your eyes. I'm just going to ask you a personal question that you can interact with in your mind's eye.
with your eyes closed. Who is Jesus to you? Don't spiritualize it. Don't Christian context it. Who really is Jesus to you? And as we talk this final time, Father, about this event that shook everything, literally, help us to see you more clearly than we have before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to read you Romans 10.9 really quickly. I'm going in a different order, Bill. I'm sorry. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Here, here's why I'm sharing this with you. Not to say, I, I sometimes listen to other people share on the topics that I'm going to share on. And most always I feel frustrated. Probably one, because I have spiritual arrogance that I'm, I can verbalize now, but I'm not aware of in the moment. And two, because I think some people just say the wrong things. And I think we take this passage and say, you must believe. And I heard someone say, you have to believe. And if you confess with your mouth, and if you do these things, you will be saved. The problem with that is, you can't make someone do that. You can't make that happen. And so we've understood that, and so we remove... We remove the second part. Believe in, the heart, in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. So we just do this. And we don't even know we're doing this. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And I'm not saying this to say some of you aren't saved. I'm saying this to say there is some striving happening globally about how we should take the gospel to people. Yet we haven't really internalized it. Because internalizing it isn't as easy as reading that and saying, oh, okay. It does not work that way. But because we want to turn some kind of a spiritual, can't use the word I was going to use right there, thing, we just jump in and say, you got to be saved, be saved. You got to be saved, be saved. You need to have more faith and believe. You need to believe. And all the while, someone's listening to us saying, I, kinda, I, do, I, I think I do want to believe, but I don't. So what are you going to do with that? Well, you need to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and, and believe in your heart. You cannot make someone believe in their heart. Only Jesus can do that. And it's not as easy as just reading this and it happening or screaming it to someone. Do we have space for this to be said to a community of people and let them fight through it like these people are about to? Do we have space to tell someone, yes, I believe that Jesus is Lord and I believe that it can happen that it happens in your heart, but I can't make that happen for you. And I've got to be okay to walk with you until it does. And I don't treat you differently beforehand than I will when it happens because I'm still trying to see it for myself. Like, I'm wrestling through the disbelief in my own heart. And if you can't say that, then you really should not be handing out tracts. Because, as we'll see in a minute, what we have done is we've seen brothers and sisters and women broken and hurting, struggling through their callings and ministry, and we'll step right over them to be like, here, so chill. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's like a picture of a plane going down because the rapture happened or something. Which we have family members that actually send us that track. That's legitimate. And if you're listening, Mike, I love you very much. <laughs> he will listen. Um, and so, so as we begin to jump into this, there's a couple, I just want to hit a couple things. And then I'm going to end 
like I've never ended before. <laughs> That's going to be awesome. All right. So these, yes, this is it. Goodbye. Enjoy the gospel. So recapping, these people are on their way to anoint the body of Jesus, and here's the reason why. Because the body is decomposing, so they're motivated, three women, to go to Jesus, take spices, they even purchase them. They want to show up, and they want to anoint the body. The problem is on the way, and I love that that labels like this normal problem. They're like talking, and they're like, oh, the stone is really heavy. What are we going to do about that? They, They don't have an answer. The stone is heavy. They get there, the stone is not there, the stone is, doesn't explain how it was rolled away, it's just not there, and, and we know this because we've studied it, we talked about this, it's easier to put the stone in place than it is to roll the stone away. So somebody can just be like, and it's really similar to the stone walls, this is super cheesy, I'm going there, it's really similar to the things that have approached us and blocked us from Jesus, it's much easier to put them there than to remove them. The trick is, it's sometimes our fault for getting the rock there, but it's not our job to remove the rock. And that's really important. And that's what we see here, is that they show up and the stinking stone is not there. And they walk in, and their whole mission for the day has changed. They're walking in, they're like spices, oils. How you doing? And there's an angel in the form of a young man, because... Because, and they realize our mission has just changed. They're like, we're, we're, we're here. We don't have any spices or oils in our hands behind our backs. We're not here to do that. We knew you were going to be here. They don't know. They're clueless. They're just standing there looking like, what do we even do now? And so they have to be told. They have to be told how to respond. Because their response on their own isn't enough. They're literally walked through like little kids this whole process. So a couple things that jump out that you need to know. This spot in the story to me is baffling because all of history has already changed. This probably is only for me one of those things. Resurrection has happened. I think the earth understands it. As we've seen previously, it actually, the earth actually has responses through shaking, darkness. Resurrection has happened. No one is being saved. And there's this open space of just Jesus has risen, no one knows yet. And there's like the, the time in between to me is something is astounding about that. There, nobody's doing anything about it. No one's getting saved. But here's, here's, here's the thing I think is really important for us today to not just hear the resurrection story again. We all have a way of anointing this version of Jesus in our lives that no longer operates. We all have a way of showing up because we love him, even to a setting like this, and anointing a version of him that no longer is alive, definitely can't forgive, has no power to liberate women. Why do I say that right here? That seems out of place because that's what happens first. We have this way of showing up and anointing. And if you know anything about anointing, like anointing is this is it. This is it now. This is it. This is it. They show up to anoint Jesus in this passage because they love him, like many of us do, and they are unable to anoint him. And there's something about post-resurrection Jesus where we don't do the anointing anymore. You saw with the, with the, the expensive perfume that cost over a year's wage, 
That was a subliminal kind of under-the-radar way for her to anoint Jesus for his death. We don't get to anoint him anymore, right? We just get to follow him and love him and listen to him. So they show up with these things, and Jesus is like, he doesn't say, he's like, you need to put away your anointing oil. You think you know who I am, and you're about to anoint that version of me that will do nothing for you or the world. Put your oil away. Put your oil away. Put your spices away. You wasted your money, but maybe you can use those for something you're cooking later. I don't know. You need to listen now. So their mission goes from coming to anoint a version of Jesus that they are going to visit probably weekly. Like if this plays out like they think, not only do they anoint Jesus in the tomb, they probably set up a schedule to go see him, to remember this is the Jesus that we walked with. Wasn't he amazing? He did some awesome things. Where's he now? Tragically, he's dead. And he no longer is affecting the world except through story. That's not what happens. So they're told to put away the anointing spices, be quiet, and they're told by something other than humanly form, which is an angel in the form of a young man, what to do next. And they're not told, Jesus has been raised, he's resurrected, and you are now saved if you confess with your heart and mouth and believe in your heart. They're not told that. So there's this space after resurrection until they really get it that they're just having to be like, I'm traveling here, I'm going here, I'm dependent on a stinking angel right now. There's not a lot of validity, right? So, and the second thing I want to say is, and we cannot skim through this, women are the first to see this. Not only are they the first to see this, they're the first trusted to take it. In this society, even in our society, there are some churches who will be like, well, we just don't. We just don't let women hold those offices. In this society, people can get stoned for it. So Jesus selects three people, and I, I think you better believe that he knew who would get it first. He selects three people whose witness would be invalid to an entire world. And he gives the most important message in history to people who would be breaking the law every time they spoke. So forgive me, important person who said that Jesus never broke the law, he definitely broke the law. There's a tweet, a famous tweet recently by a famous pastor who was completely wrong. Jesus broke the law and his first people to take the gospel to be his heralds were women. Igniting the, the most clear way to, to bring women into the picture and liberate them, right? To completely liberate women in a society that would kill people for it. It's such an important thing to notice. It was scandalous for them, right? So, so they don't know what to do, though. They're in this setting, and the women are hearing, and like any occasion where an angel shows up to talk, you're dumbfounded. Some people hit the ground. Some people are incapacitated, and they're extremely afraid, and the first thing that is said is, do not be alarmed, right? You don't have to be alarmed. Jesus, he's not here, and they're like... Okay, that's, that doesn't mean anything to us other than this is still horrifying and we're talking to you, but he's, he's been resurrected, right? And, and not only that, but if you could do this for me, if you could take this message to the disciples and Peter. This is so baffling. So the men of the church for the next century have to trust what Jesus is saying to them through the witness of sisters and moms and people who are up to this point really religiously insignificant. But I love the 
the fact that Jesus now is resurrected. And Peter is in shambles because he has failed miserably and the disciples have also failed. They have all fled. And his message to them is not, go tell Peter that he failed me when I needed him. Go talk to Peter because I, I even told him he was going to deny me three times and he did. And it hurt and I need him to know. He doesn't say any of that. This is this first part of grace really starting to take off. And the message to them is, you can still be a part of the disciples, guys. You can still do this with us. You can still take us. It's just going to be different now. And I, I feel the anticipation in the angel's voice like, it's now different. When you say this to them, there's a different en route to them doing this. It's not just, you did the wrong thing, now do the right thing. Now it's this whole idea of him being with them. So they, they don't do that. The women fail miserably. They don't take the message, it says, right off the bat. They don't know what to do. I just like imagine them walking around the woods like zombies, like, do you guys just notice what happened? They can't even say words. They're just walking around clueless. And then we do know from another passage, which I, I didn't want to read Matthew, but I'm going to read him, that they do end up doing some stuff with it. But I think for me, this reminds me of a part of the story when you feel that everything is done and there is no en route for you to live out the gospel or Jesus, that God will send us these people to share a message that confronts our versions of him. And one of the clearest times that this has happened for me in my life, and I've shared this with you before, is when I was in youth ministry and I was reminded of some things that I had tried to hide from, well, everybody. I was the only one from when I was younger. And they were things that were not, it, it was not, <laughs> it was not good stuff. I mean, it was like the kind of content personally that can cripple you for your entire life. The kind of content that would send some people into depression. The kind of things that many of you carry with you right now that you're afraid someone will know. And I just could not, I could not balance doing ministry anymore and feeling like I was hiding stuff. And I didn't really think God wanted to kill me. I just thought, this is, there's too much weight. I, I cannot carry this. And that's the time I called Sarah, and I specifically told her two things that when I said it, I could not stay on my feet. It was that kind of weight. When I finally said it, I actually fell to the ground in what was a youth house, and I started weeping on the phone like, um, like all of us do, right? <laughs> and... She just said to me, like, this reassuring, it's okay, it's okay. It was kind of things that would have been like, does she even want to be with me after this? Because these are not, this is not like I pulled someone's hair when I was younger. Like, it was, it was not like I did a drug, which I did plenty of. This was like, these are not, even like, even in Christian circles, if I, this is not even, like, that's not really forgivable, is it? And so to hear from her voice, like, this, it's okay. It's okay. I saw Jesus lived out through a person in a way that, that I needed it, right? So badly needed it. And it just happened to be a woman. I just think that's interesting. <laughs> I just think that's interesting to me that many of the voices actually in my life, and I, and I told the guys before, I feel like we should pray for women today. The most profound seminary professor I've ever heard was a lady by the name of Cheryl, Dr. Cheryl Johns. I'm going to invite her to come speak here soon. She is brilliant. She, she was in the Church of God denomination, which basically I had people in our class that would say to her, she should not be a teacher because she's a woman. In class. 
denominational leaders. What was interesting is she's one of the most brilliant people in our whole denomination. None of the pastors have degrees at all, and they're all being made to go through her class. So it was 2001, and they all had just heard from the overseers that they had to go through seminary. So all of these important male figures are sitting through her class and railing her. The problem with that was that none of those pastors knew what they were talking about. And they couldn't theologically stand next to her. And she was the first person that looked at me when I stood up in front of a group of people. And for the first time, she encouraged us to teach to people. And I was horrified. If you guys would have seen me as a 21-year-old, 22-year-old, you wouldn't even notice me in a room. I blended in. I was quiet. I didn't want to be talked. You do not call on me. I had to stand up in front of a group one time in college, and I freaked out. Turned red, stopped talking, could not even understand what to say next, and just sat down like. (laughs) She looked at me after I taught, and she was like, that was unbelievable. And it was so good. And this other guy was like, this guy that was from different countries, like, you got to stop flipping your pencil. And I was like, man, that was my, I needed that. And she was like, don't, don't listen to him. Got to stop flipping your pencil. She she went around that day telling everybody in the seminary, this guy's got a gift. And then it went to my head. So that's, (laughs) I think, I think that's the moral of the story. Amen. So carrying on. The first mission was not for these guys to get it, believe it in their hearts, and take it to the world. That should jolt you a little bit. The first mission was to liberate women into ministry and to take the gospel to those already in ministry that are broken and in shame. That was the first mission. I'm not making this up. I'm not trying to rewrite something. The very first mission is these women are being empowered to take now the gospel to these men who have failed in ministry. And all, like, that's not a good in route to start our whole thing, right? It's not just go tell it on the mountain. It is literally starts in shambles. It's the worst plan. No one is going to believe these women, which is why we all believe, because no one would conjure that story up. That would be a terrible in route. So Jesus chooses an in route to one, heal how women are treated and liberate them into leadership. And if you don't want to call that leadership, you're stupid. Okay, you can, you can, if you want to, if you, if you want to like somehow manipulate this in your mind to where you want to say that Jesus would not do, he, they were selected first to take the gospel. There's not a more important role than that. There, you call it whatever you want to call it. They took the gospel to the men leaders in the church. I'm not saying that men should not be leaders in the church. I'm not saying that only women should be leaders in the church. I'm saying he leveled the playing field with one angel. And all the women said amen. Amen. And all the men left the church. And then we'll get more men because there's a women church over there. You guys remember? So it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. So... So don't, with the gospel, step over your brother and sister who is in shambles. Because I've been in ministry long enough to look around and and I'm married to a woman who in our first job was, was told she can be the secretary, but she can't be anything else. All of us, you don't know this, but you have women in your life. And I'm not even talking from the Christian perspective. I'm talking from the societal perspective that have been told that they are less than men their entire life, even if it's subtle, right? It's not there. It's not there. It's there. 
Let's quit being dumb, right? Just because it maybe bumps into what might take power away from us doesn't mean it's not there. So let's be like Christ and liberate women alongside him. Let's be like Christ and say to them, you can carry this gospel as good as anybody. If I'm Jesus and I'm choosing, I'm choosing somebody that's going to do it the way I want. Like the first one needs to be the way I want. It needs to be good. Like you're not giving this to Judas, right? He's not even there. You're not giving this. He gives it to three women, like moms and like double moms, all kinds of moms and sisters and and they take it, right? So don't step over your brother and sister who are broken for the sake of taking the gospel to the world, all the while missing the purpose of the mission, right? Oh, I had this friend, I, I'm, I'm not trying to dis, when I was first in ministry, I had this friend show up and he was trying to talk me into an evangelism technique and I had just had enough with it. Like it was the whole technique where you find a stranger, you, you ask the stranger, Julia, have you sinned in your life? Maybe, I don't know. Uh, have you ever lied? Well, yep. Uh, have you ever stolen? Yep. Do you know by the commandments of the Lord that you have now sinned and God is your enemy? But today and today only, <laughs> if you would like to receive salvation, we can offer that to you, right? He came and he wanted me to do this for our youth ministry. And I said, I said, I was like, I had that like holy boldness well up in me. And I was like, you are doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. This is not creating discipleship. This is not creating followers of Jesus. This is stirring fear in everyone to fall in love with a God that doesn't love them but only cares about their behavior, and it's not going to work. And I was like, I'll see you later. <laughs> I, was so, I was so emotionally like, and spiritually torn inside. And he ends up calling me later, like, basically agreeing and being like, you're the smartest person ever. And I was like, that's what I was trying to tell you. Is I'm super smart. All you have to do is listen to me. Just kidding. I'm not smart at all. I just had a moment that I knew, like, I need to stand up for the people who will be sitting in our sozos and prayer ministries in 15 years because their version of God is still angry at them, right? Because it's not as easy as we want to make it. So they don't understand. I want to just read you this. So this is, this is the really beautiful part is that he talks to them through an angel. They're sent. Eventually, we'll, we'll read in a second, they do go. And when they do go, it's not that they have the anointed version even yet. They're now about to meet Jesus for real, and they don't even know it. So on their way, doing the obedient thing, they're still clueless. There's no anointable version of Jesus. They don't know. They're not resurrected with him now. They're just, I'm going to do this part now. It's, it's the beginning of this journey that begins to happen with them. And they go, and this is what happens. You can pull up Matthew 28. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, which is a little different than the other story, right? Mark's the source material, though. Always remember that. It's the source material for these other gospels, too. And ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And don't even just build the theology of, of all this right here. Like, that's beautiful. Then he says, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and they will see me. There's like a, why is he doing all this? Why do you need to do all this? The most fascinating part of this is that the actual Jesus shows back up for the first time, and he's like, he like slow motion walks, and he's like, hey. 
It's like it. It's like a normal greeting. Like, they're like, guys, we got to go tell the disciples. Jesus shows him, he's like, what's up? And they're like, they're nothing more theological. Like, you're not going to give, just, what's up, Justin? Hey, how you doing? They fall at his feet and worship. I love the part of this, and I'm, I'm not going to ramble much longer. There's a part of our salvation and how we take the gospel. There's just no landing on I've got it all. So they're given the direction from an angel into actually meeting Jesus. And then even still, they're not sent from there to proclaim to the world. They're taken from that point and thrown into community. Go find my disciples. Go. I'm even coming to them. He's already starting to build the gathering. The gathering, the church, is the best proof we have that Jesus was real. This is the best. It's silly to be meeting together for 2,000 years, guys. If this is not real, we are idiots. Because why are we in this building? This is the best proof. When you, and I'll even say this, when you show up, you don't get a check mark. You don't get like tithe deduction. I don't even care. You just showing up is continuing the story of the gospel. Whether you're a genius or you're not. Whether you're dumbfounded or whether you are sure you're showing up that day to anoint Jesus. That you show up. He sends them into his disciples. Go tell my disciples. Go. They're told again. Go, go get them. Get together with them. And when they get together, that's when crazy things start to happen. You want to talk about resurrection and the implications? The whole world changed. People who are insecure have so much security, they stand in front of a judge that wants to kill them and preach the most beautiful sermon that's ever been preached without any training, really. Like, you want to hear me preach a great sermon? Watch this. Like, that happens. People walk up to people and they're like, these people are drunk. They're like, no, that's not drunkenness. This is the Spirit of God at like early in the morning, which is hard to do, right? It's hard to do early in the morning Spirit of God stuff, right? They continue. They start to gather together, right? They start to pray together. God starts to add all these things together. God gives them the Holy Spirit, right? So I love how he gives an angel a little bit of info. Jesus, oh my gosh. Disciples get together. They gather. He shows up to that group. Oh, guess what? We got a gift for you. It's called the Holy Spirit. Boom. He's like, he drops, he drops whatever. So it wouldn't be a mic, but it'd be something. Drops it, walks away. They're empowered. The Holy Spirit is the power of the gospel to take it to people in love, not in demand, right? The Holy Spirit does not cause you to step over a hurting brother to save the world. The Holy Spirit causes you to lay down next to your brother and in some cases gather three friends and carry them in to be healed. And in other cases, pick them up from a pool and take them to Jesus. And in other cases, say sorry. (laughs) The Holy Spirit has this way of making us rewrite everything. So, I'm closing. I love this passage. I actually love this message. I don't ever say that. I love what God is doing in this message. One, if you're anointing a version of Jesus that is not still alive, and you love him, like you're not the religious guy that's like, this is who he says he is. He's not. You actually love Jesus, but you've anointed this version of him that can do nothing for you or anyone else. Put the spices down. Put the oils down. Here's another way to put it. Is Jesus in your life now more than just what Josh says or something you read? More than just this. Is he in your car? 
does, when you pick up the word, does it feel like something is happening more than just reading a book? Is Jesus so in your life that when someone smacks you or someone says, you know what, Shannon, your cupcakes are awful. Is Jesus in your life so much that you respond so differently than you would before? Is Jesus in your life so much that you don't have to win or be in power? Is Jesus in your life so much that when you see something societally that is not biblical, you can say, that is not biblical. We should not treat people that way. Is Jesus, this is another way to ask this question. Have you, have you anointed this version of Jesus that you visit on occasion because you loved him that can do nothing for anyone? Or are you standing next to some walls and rocks that need to be moved, which is the second thing. If something is boxing in your version, you can't move it. But you have to approach those walls. Please look at me. If there are things that are just keeping you from him that are very real to you, like a rock, which is real, that seem immovable, it's not your job to gather a team of people to move the rock. Just approach it. Just approach it. Approach it. And when you show up, I'm not saying it's happening like that, but it's going to happen some, something like that. It's not going to be you that moves it, and you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, who is this? Who is this angel? Who is this young man angel? It's weird. I don't even know what to do now. I'm dumbfounded. What do I do? Right? Lastly, the effects of resurrection means that he's here with us right now. So I want to, I want to, in the spirit of what this passage says, I would love it if all of the women will start singing now. Will stand with me right now. Will stand with me. Yes, yes. Please stand if you're a woman. We'll know if you're not standing by the way that you're sitting. Okay. Speaking, firstly, to men. Don't know why I'm doing this, other than when I was praying, I felt like I should do this. <laughs> Speaking, firstly, to men. Do they know that they are as important as you? Do they know that they have callings just like you do? Have we made them feel like they're there to serve us? Do they prop up our callings, or has God called us together? I just want to say sorry. I know that I'm just one really not intelligent pastor in Smyrna, but the church has harmed you historically, and not enough people have stood up to protect you. And I want to say sorry for that. Sorry to my mom. Sorry to my wife. Sorry for my daughter who will have to, you know, you can stand. Sorry to the people in this church. People need to apologize. Also, I'd like to apologize for the way that our country and world treats you as women. You are not just to be sexualized. You are not just pretty. Many of you are way smarter than many of us. Many of us need to listen to you. Many of us need to say sorry repeatedly for the next year. You are called. You are gifted. You have a role. And some of us need to follow you. Thank you, Jesus, for the women in this room. If you would just put your hand on the one near you that it's okay that you put your hand on. 
We're going to pray a, a corporate prayer of repentance. Is this okay? I did not prep. I did not prep you for this, but you can repeat after me. Father, forgive me for not honoring women the way that you do. For making myself more important than them. For not calling out the things in them that I needed to. For not protecting them when the church has told them lies. When our nation has told them lies. When our world has told them lies. When our enemy has told them lies. Help us to love them the way that you have loved us. To the end of ourselves. Now praise break, staying prayer. Father, you can repeat still. You have called these women to be leaders, to be gospel carriers, to be lovers, to be preachers, to be fully in ministry, and to help the world receive Jesus. Now I'm going to just read a passage over you. You guys can not pray over them anymore. But All right, this is for you. The spirit of the sovereign God, the master, is on you. Because he has anointed you, he sent you to preach good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to announce freedom to all the captives, to pardon prisoners. God sent you to announce the year of his grace, a celebration of God's destruction to the enemies, and to comfort all who mourn to care for the needs of all who mourn in Zion, to give bouquets instead of roses and roses instead of ashes, a message of joy instead of news of doom, a praising heart instead of a languid spirit. You have been renamed, and this is for you, oaks of righteousness planted by God to display his glory. You have been renamed oaks of righteousness planted by God to display his glory. You have been renamed Oaks of Righteousness planted by God to display His glory. Amen. 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 All right. You guys can be seated. If you're someone who knows the Lord, please listen. This is the last prayer. You know the Lord. You do love the Lord. But you feel like you are now disqualified from life with the Lord. You are His disciples. You are literally His disciples exactly doing what they did when he came back. He is going to send a message to you to tell you it is all right. My grace is sufficient for you. You still have a future. You still have a now. It's not over. And for those of you who are listening all day and being like, I don't even know why church exists. Maybe that's him stirring in you something for his kingdom that needs to come forth for people to receive it. You can hate me. But love him and take his message and love people. I'm going to close right now. All right. Jesus, thank you so much for the gospel of resurrection, the gospel of your with us now, the gospel of your present Emmanuel Jesus in our lives, incarnational with us. And that, that did not stop. But through the Holy Spirit, you are alive in this room. And your word, God, is the John the Baptist like we heard this past week so many of us, that points us to the living Jesus. 
You're alive. You're not the God who can't forgive anymore because you're dead. You're not the God who can't liberate the captives because you're dead. You are the God that forgives and liberates and sets people free, even into dancing. Thank you, Jesus. If you need prayer today because you are in shame and you feel like there is no future for you, we would love to partner with you. I pray that God goes with you. I hope that he helps you see that he is for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.